All right, here it is, uh, another day in your world and in our world and in the world of AI. And uh, Lawyer Bill's coming up. He isn't fake yet, I don't think, but according to all that I read, he could be any minute now. So when he shows up here, it may or may not be him. I don't know anymore. Really don't care if it sounds like him, uh, however this goes. But I believe it is worth to begin uh, by mentioning the ongoing uh, the support request we are we have out there in the world for people to uh, go to our Facebook page or the DrakeHallMemphis.com page or the app and support us to keep this thing alive with the music and the podcasting and the shows that we do. And um, it's a simple request which you may uh, can play along with and go there and just do as it says or you can choose to ignore it. It is entirely up to you. Uh, but supporting Drake Digital would be fun uh, if we were here a bit longer, and that's pretty much in your hands. We have no budget, no support uh, elsewhere, and so it comes down to the nut cutting, as we used to say in the country. So uh, th- th- there is <laughs> right. what that's that's just what it is. And let's you. begin with this: the list of artists that are playing with Dolly Parton. Oh man! On this record. Um, did I hear right that it's 30 songs? It looks like wow. it. It's huge. I'm looking at the list now. It's not numbered, but it goes on and on and on. The album is uh, in reaction to her receiving a nomination to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, which she was baffled by. But I think, as we've said a thousand times, that rock and roll is an attitude, and some people fit and some people don't. And if anybody does, then it's then it's Dolly, who's been around forever. And, hell, she was glam before there was David Bowie, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. Got to make a so, good point, yeah. So, uh, you know, she does what she does and has just been an incredible uh, person uh, her entire career and keeps cranking out great music. And this album is called Rockstar, which for anybody else would be a little bit arrogant and a cavalier, but for her it seems perfect. And so, run down the list of people that are on this freaking record. Let me thirty take a, songs. Let me take a deep breath here. I know. <laughs> okay, we've got Rockstar with Richie Sambora, World on Fire, Every Breath You Take with Sting, Open Arms with Steve Perry. There's Magic Man with Ann Wilson, Long as I Can See the Light, joined by John Fogarty, Kid Rocks with her for either or. I Want You Back is done with Steven Tyler and Warren Haynes. What Has Rock and Roll Ever Done For You? Featuring Stevie Nicks. There's She covers Purple Rain, apparently on her own. Baby, I Love Your Way. She brought in Peter Frampton for that. Oh, Joan boy. Jett and the Blackhearts <laughs> show up on I Hate Myself For Loving You. Oh, cool. There's Night Moves with Chris Stapleton. Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus. Pink and Brandy Carlisle join her to do I Can't Get No Satisfaction. She's going to do Keep On Loving You with Kevin Cronin. Debbie Harry joins her for Heart of Glass. Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with Elton John. Melissa oh, Etheridge gosh. is there for Try to Rock and Roll Me. She's covering Stairway to Heaven with Sasha Flute and Lizzo. Got uh, We Are the Champions on this. Bygones with Rob Halford. Yes, and Nikki Six <laughs> and John Five. My Blue Tears feature Simon LeBond of Duran Duran. Linda Perry's with her for What's Up. I guess she was one of the four non-blondes. You're No Good is on this <laughs> album with Emmylou Harris and Cheryl Crow. Pat Benatar and Neil Gerardo join her for Heartbreaker. Bittersweet with Michael McDonald, a song called I Dreamed About Elvis with uh, Ronnie McDowell and the Jordanaires. Let It Be with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr and Peter Frampton and Mick Fleetwood. And then finally, Freebird featuring Ronnie Van Zant with special guest Gary Rosington, Artemis Pyle and the Artemis Pyle Band. I need a a, a drink and a lay down now. (laughs) Did Ronnie Van Zant come out of the grave to join her? I was going to say. It says featuring Ronnie Van Zant with special guest Gary Rossington. Maybe they've got his vocal so, They've got a track They or just have the tracks, yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's a lot. But, you know, it's Dolly, so I'm not going to absolutely say no. I think we need to probably check. <laughs> she might have magic powers. If she talked them out of the grave, hell, I'll buy the record just for that. I, <laughs> hell, yeah. Uh, I want to hear let's it. Let's see. Except for Frampton, I'm good with it. He's okay. He's just a douche. That's pretty impressive that that many people uh, from all walks <laughs> yeah. of rock and roll want to yeah. be with her, and that's 
What a testament to how much she is loved and respected by her peers. By many of these people weren't even born uh, when she was playing on TV with Porter Wagner. So that that really is something else. And the album comes out when? Uh, November 17. I guarantee you there will be a documentary of the making of this thing. It'll be on television yeah, about the same cool. time that the, that the album is out. So you can stand by to watch all of this go down. Steve Perry, Open Arms. Okay. Um, she didn't miss. Uh, there's no stones in there, but a stone song. Right. Um, so she hit all the, all the, I mean, just a bunch of people. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I never dreamed it'd be like that deep. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't think that she would turn out anything that wasn't high quality. So we're going to find out. Um, I guess there probably is a session band behind this. Uh, well, I guess that as, 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 as time goes by, things will roll out. So. Yeah, the, we'll find out. The first lead, the lead single is going to be that "World on Fire." It was the uh, second one that I missed, uh, or that I mentioned rather. It's an original, and it's just her, apparently. Okay, and then Sting joins her for something. Every, Every breath, breath you take. It's hard to mess that song up, so um, I guess we'll see. <laughs> and other uh, uh, celebrity kind of news, I uh, it's hard to say anything bad about Robert De Niro. Because he is maybe the living, uh, the 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 best living actor uh, of our generation. Um, he is rivaled by Anthony Hopkins, who's alive. Al Pacino. There are a ton of guys who are still out there. He's won two Academy Awards. He's done Godfather's, and he's done all of these things with Martin Scorsese. And he's worked and worked and worked for all these years. He's seventy nine years old. I think, however, that it is a little bit, is the word selfish to have a kid when you're 79 years old? And according to the story that I read, the way that it was was, was presented, he had the child himself, which further underscores how incredible he really is. There's no, <laughs> wow. there's, there's no mother mentioned in the story. So my guess is is that Bob just spit this kid out by himself. I don't think he got a kit somewhere. I don't know. I meet, I, I, I meet know. my actual fucker. Um, um, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Um, uh, so listen, he he has six kids. His oldest is fifty-one years old. Her name is Drina. Uh, Raphael is 46, his twins, Julian and Aaron, are 27. Elliot is 24, and Helen Grace is 11. Three different women have produced these children with Bob. We call him Bob because we're just tight like that. Sure, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. not married. Uh, there's no mention of who the... So I'm going to have to assume that among his many gifts is giving birth, which is... Um, so, I don't know who the wow. woman is, but I it... This child will never know his father, no. which is unfortunate. I left Bob, unless he lives to be 99 years old or 94. I mean, Steve Martin had a kid when he was 70. And he is about a year shy of 80, I think. But I've always found it to be a little bit selfish to produce a child when you're that old and know that they will never know their dad. But that's none of my business. If Bob wants to do it, who are we to ask him? Or to question him, it's his life and uh, his womb. So knock yourself out. Bro. Uh, <laughs> he is Bobby D. Uh, uh, he, he, he he is, you know, he is uh, he is De Niro. So we don't really question anything that he chooses to do. Uh, what celeb stuff do you have, Wes? Anything of worth or anybody that, else? That Dolly was all I had that was interesting and cool for this day. What is the uh, uh, what part of the highway up north is named after Prince? Now, Sid's got that. Yeah, there is a there's a stretch of seven miles that runs past Paisley Park in Minnesota, and the governor of Minnesota signed it to call it signed the other day to call it the Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway. He signed it in purple ink. <laughs> of course. So <laughs> he. You know, they he's a global icon and a creative genius, the story says, and he really was. So the governor said, this is the coolest bill signing I've ever done. 
and Paisley Park are, uh, I guess, now, well, I don't know how many visitors per year, but I mean, I'm sure tons. It's a, and there's a, there's a 65,000 square foot complex. It's now a museum run by his estate, remember, and yeah. an event venue yeah. and recording yeah. studio. So yeah, I don't know how that has gone. Deal. I um I have I knew somebody who was the GM of that place when it first opened, and um, there were many complications around the will of Prince. And remember, we had a story a long time ago about how much music was left in a vault in yeah. that basement oh, yeah. or at home, uh-huh. um, and nobody has dug that up. I would suspect that somebody at some point who is in charge of the estate. It was his sister, I think, is going to reach out to somebody with real skills and have them come down and go through this. Who would you? I would think about somebody like Jack White, um, would be Dave Grohl. Um, yeah, or if, if Prince had a good, close, you know, trusted friend. It, I, I, but I don't, you know, who Prince I, had no. Prince had no friends. He was he was Prince. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I. It, so a little bit of highway name for Prince. That's that's great. Uh, okay, what else do we have? Um, I have these AI stories that keep popping up, that keep making me a little bit nervous. Uh, some of them though have positivity that surrounds them. This one in particular, if this is true, and I don't doubt that it is, although this entire story could be faked and written by ChatGPT. Yeah. For all I know, uh, the, the AI tool can now predict pancreatic cancer up to three years in advance, says a new study. Uh, okay, now that is one of the most lethal cancers uh, that there are. It is, uh, it's almost impossible to beat. Some have made it last a bit, not made it last, they have lived through it. Uh, Alex Trebek fought it off for about three years. Patrick Swayze, the list goes on and on. But once you have that, it is, is, is extremely hard to, to beat it. Uh, but this AI algorithm on two data sets of, three, of uh, 9 million patient records from Denmark and the U.S. have uh, turned up a method by which they can, can uh, predict if you may get this. Now, how this works, don't ask me. It is hard to screen for early on, leading to that low survival rate right. and a need for better tools to screen. Hence the AI, which comes into this, and how they feed the info into that to determine if somebody is prone to have this, way out of my realm of understanding. Yeah. But it's a pretty positive thing uh, in and amongst all the other stories. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is they fed this AI as a prompt all the medical records of these people who had gotten and died from pancreatic cancer, and it's finding similarities that people might eventually have found, but it can scan things and draw connections a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Um, So that is one positive story. The other one that I pulled up, AI fakes and lies is the headline, will destroy society, warns Britain's former top cyber spy. Mm-hmm. His name is, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this, C-I-A-R-E-N, Dr. Martin is the newest senior figure from the tech world to raise questions about the risks posed by AI, which some critics fear could destroy the human race. Are they critics or are they... Uh, well, this has been said enough times of late that it makes you wonder. The government had talks last week at the White House. I'm not sure who was in on that shit show, but I'm sure they have all the answers now. Because, you know, it's the government, and they're always on top of stuff. <laughs> uh, but um, AI risks undermining the fabric of our society, says this this professor, because people won't be able to tell the difference between truth and lies. Aren't we already in the midst of that? Yes, but... Uh, This is according to the former chief of cybersecurity in England. He warned as it becomes capable of impersonating real people, AI could make it much more difficult 
to see what is true and reliable and what is not. A day doesn't go by now when there isn't a video or a picture that people can't tell whether it is the real thing or if it is not. The government is already behind the curve, he says, in any policing as all these advancements are the work of private companies in the U.S. So the burden is falling on the U.S. to somehow, I guess the word regulate doesn't apply to this, but everybody is highly competitive and they're all going after this intensely because everybody wants to be uh, ahead of the game. Other headline today was 80% of all U.S. jobs. Now this is a big, big statement. In the next decade or less can be replaced by AI. And I was thinking today about that and I'm not sure that that makes any logical sense. I took my car today over to Allen's Automotive and dropped it off to have the oil changed and things like that. And I thought, um, how's that going to work if AI is in charge of everything? Um, and there were some other things that kind of just you know, crossed my mind. As far as buying fast food and all of that, they're already way ahead of the game on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But the predictions seem to be a little bit unrealistic to me. Uh, but this guy says having a sense of what is true and reliable will become much more difficult. And that risks undermining the fabric of our society. That's well, comforting. That's a fair warning because I have a story that didn't make my list, but uh, you reminded me of it. The yeah. headline is, what does it mean when an AI hallucinates? Oh, it's, that's comforting. Yes, yeah. it's not just a lie, this story from Hustle says. It it says the AI could potentially read something that's incorrect on the Internet and repeat it. That's not really uh, a, a hallucination. What they're talking about is inaccurate information that wasn't corresponding with its uh, training data and prompts, the information that it was fed. They give an example about Google's Bard chatbot talking with Wall Street journalist uh, Ben Zimmer. And he, the AI, the chatbot, said that Hans Jacobsen coined the term argumentative diphthongization. What? Two things okay. wrong with that. First off, there's never been a linguist named Hans Jacobsen. And secondly, Ben Zimmer, the guy who was talking with the chatbot, is the guy who actually made up that term. Oh, there's another story about a uh, politician in Australia considering suing open AI after jet cheap, uh, jet. GPT claimed he'd served time in prison for bribery and a, a professor said the uh, chat GPT fabricated a Washington Post article accusing of, a, of sexual harassment. So this is happening here oh, and there. God. All the models, according to Google CEO Sundar Pichai, Pichai uh, he said to 60 Minutes that all the models, including Bard, have this problem and no one's been able to figure out why. Because what they're supposed to do is just not really know anything, just take data at their disposal to be a predictive generative text. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's just wrong. And it really, really sometimes goes off into left field. Well, if it's happening in these increments and is a microcosm of what's to come, uh, there's nothing good uh, in that's If this is happening now, as this thing seems to grow overnight, I mean, it is a daily and weekly growth, and something new pops up every day. Mm -hmm. So I, there's there's no way to stop it. There's nobody that has any laws, any barriers, any rules. It's wide open. And so that predictive uh, concept there from that former uh, head of all the, yeah. all the spy stuff in England is likely onto something, but who's gonna make the rules? And who's going to enforce the rules? That's the next question. In this country and elsewhere, you know that 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 the Chinese and anybody else that is technology, you know, with with big tech and has does techy things and builds things, they're all over this, and they're all trying to get ahead of the curve and win whatever there is to win. So, and there's no stopping it. There's no stop sign. There's no yield sign. There's no pause now they're going wide open and at what point do we get newscasts and uh, news on the internet that is entirely made up 
and we believe it, and we get some warning of a an attack from North Korea, but do you know if it's real or not? Right, because some people aren't going to care once it gets to things not being real. Panic. Uh, I mean... Sid has one here about uh, AI about to be used in 2,800 drive through restaurants. What is that? Yeah. Now, I don't know if we have Carl's Jr. restaurants around here, and I guess there are a few Hardee's still around the area. But they are rolling out artificial intelligence at their drive throughs because they're the company. There's one company that owns both of these restaurants, and they have roughly together they operate 2,800 restaurants in 44 states. They are partnering with this thing called uh, Presto Automation, Open City, and Valiant, V-A-L-Y-A-N-T, A-I, to automate uh, voice ordering at the drive throughs They're trying to boost accuracy, speed, and revenue and just help them manage staffing shortages. I mean, I can see that because, you know, nobody, everybody's, all these fast food restaurants are complaining they can't hire people. But I don't know how far this is, you know, going to go, but the company the technology officer said that the pilot program that they did they had positive results because there's there it got an uptick in revenue thanks to the technology's ability to upsell customers <laughs> i mean would they, you like says, rise with that yeah i never forgets to upsell yeah. and upsells better than any human he said and I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, as you think about this though um we're already we pump our own gas via technology we can check out uh in grocery stores by ourselves yeah um so we needed to narrow down the things we'll need people for i went into a store today um on the front doors is posted they had openings um in the deli meat department overnight um stuff checkers baggers um, I went in today to see some friends at Wholesale Nutrition. They have three new folks that are going to start this week, and they have to be trained and stuff like that. Um, and so, I don't know, man. It. Um, I'm happy that we're not young people anymore. I'm not sure I can take this because <laughs> I don't trust anybody anyway now. So what's it going to come to when you don't know if they're fake or if they're real. And then what do we do when, I always go back to this, I don't know why. What do we do when people, when it's possible to make people look like people until you unzip them, like in Men in Black, <laughs> and they're aliens? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. How do you know who's real? Uh, do you just like grab them by the crotch and see? Uh, what? Already walking around. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, I went to Sam's today, and I swear to God, it's frightening. And Sam's is fun, but wow, some of these people, man, this is decades of bad breeding down here. I ain't lying to you. Uh, <laughs> Lawyer Bill is coming up, 878-9420 for questions for him. I have a couple of doozies I've saved for him. He's going to run down some some things from one of uh, his podcasts with his brother Scott. And I want to mention uh, our new sponsors, uh, good people, uh, the Tap Room for Hook Point Brewing is over on Brookhaven Circle. Hook Point uh, is a place where they brew all kind of draft beer out in Kyreville. Well, they have moved over their new place to Brookhaven Circle. The ready room is the brew pub, right? That's where you yes. can go in there and eat lunch Wednesday uh, through Sunday, and the, it's uh, fantastic food. This is not the usual kind of kind of greasy bar food. We had some of it, and it was extremely good. So it is right beside the bar where you can, you know, pull up your chair and taste all you want to. They they, they offer, uh, you know, flights of beer, which I guess means, you know, three or four different kinds in smaller glasses. Mm -hmm. So of the 13 taps, you can taste them uh, and see which one is more uh, appropriate for your palate. But uh, it's a top-of-the-line operation. These guys are way into this, and they have worked on it for a long time uh, uh, it's just um, a, a classy joint and they have really strong craft beers I'm no expert on craft beer 
One of them um, uh, calories, about 97, and two carbs, up to one that is like 10 point something percent alcohol. So depending upon your taste and your palate and how much you can take, go and see them. The Ready Room and Hook Point Brewing together on Brookhaven Circle on the west side there. And uh, fantastic food, great sandwiches and appetizers and the beer and TVs and the good vibe uh, that exists in this place for after work or for lunch or a weekend gathering. See more at hookpointbrewing.com. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mark. Good people doing uh, a really uh, nice piece of work here. Well, all these brew pubs and this, all this you know, craft beer is a big deal. And they are doing it right with um, the right kind of ingredients and the approach. And you can go see them and find out for yourself. Thank you, guys. Hook Point Brewing, the ready room on West Brookhaven Circle. Lawyer Bill's coming up. We ha I've saved some doozies for him. Uh, one of which, um, and this didn't, this happened. I'm going to just wait to do this. But first, I have a couple of this. I wonder how many times in the past somebody has tried this and how many times it's worked. This is in Australia. The police say the mastermind of a jewel heist was the owner of the store. Now, just put your mind in motion how you orchestrate this. Mm -hmm. You hire a couple of dudes to come in with guns and rob your jewelry store. And then you claim the insurance on it. The problem, it seems to me, would be when they catch the guys and they go, we didn't do it, he set it up. Well, in this case, that's just what happened. A luxury outfit called um, Germani Jewelry claims to have designed items for Saudi and British royalty among them Princess Diana, who was not at this past weekend's coronation. His biggest claim came in January when he reported a loss of $2.8 million in an armed heist at one of his Sydney stores. Police say he was the mastermind of the heist. He told the cops that two men had demanded access to the store's safe before tying him up, which they did and some more employees, and made off with about three million bucks in valuables. One of the assailants made some threats, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it's all on the video cams in the store. And uh, they got away, but they were arrested in the case last month. So this happened, did I say January? So it took about three or four months for the police to sense that something wasn't right. And they were correct. They, uh, they locked up the dude that owns the store on Monday. Uh, robbery charges and a bunch of other stuff. And the planning of the robbery to defraud the insurance company. There's evidence that would support the owner and the orchestration of said crime and the two dudes he hired to do it. And don't think they didn't chirp like a damn parakeet <laughs> in a cage. So uh, nice try there, boss, but it didn't work out for you. And that is really unfortunate. Good luck. All right, it is Ask Lawyer Bill Thursday. Oddly, he has appeared just in time, as if by magic. We have to assume this is the real Bill Jones and not an AI version that sounds just like him. I'm not sure how we could tell. Bill, is this really you? You know, I think so. It's him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You know, there's no way to know we are not ourselves living in a simulation. So I know, I know. I could That's be the real always, me. Isn't that the whole point of the Matrix? I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch that stuff, but my wife thinks it's really how things are. <laughs> it's so good. You know, you never know. But no, this is me. I have not been replaced by AI yet. You know, those things actually. Um, the last one, Scott and I, I talked about it um, in one of our podcasts when we talked about AI and the law. The, they did not do as well as they thought on the bar exam, uh, chat GPT and that open AI. They did not pass, or they didn't finish in the top, like, I think it was the top 35% that they finished in. Okay. And, and they thought they'd now, do a lot better. Now, that opens up, um, we just discussed this a minute ago, but since you bring it up, we have to return to this topic for a second. 
because I was talking about the fact that there are no rules, no regs, no boundaries, no nothing, and people are concerned. Uh, people that are that are in this business and have been around, you know, cyber stuff and spying and all that for a long time, and they find this to be um, concerning because of the lack of any law that surrounds what it can and can't do and all of its all of its forms. If there's a way to summarize what the laws are right now around AI, which is a broad, broad topic, what did you guys discuss in that podcast about that issue? There, there, there are none. It's zero. It's, it's, it's the wild, wild west. Um, Scary. There's, you know, people are, people can use it. Look, we use it. Um, I probably use chat GPT and that open AI once or twice a day. Um, really? Where what, in what capacity? Yeah. So I'll feed an email that I've written or that I've received. I'll, I'll receive an email and I will say, uh, make a, make a professional response to this. And then I'll cut and paste that and go back in and lawyer it up. But it, it saves me time um allowing me to just review and input my own thoughts and it gives me a, a template where it's cut my time in half of having to draft correspondence and emails i know i write a good letter i, I never um, thought about that golly. before i didn't know but that it, it's so easy um the other thing is you've got some clients that that can be a little loquacious a little verbose a little talkative in their emails and on occasion i've been known to cut and paste a lengthy email and feed it into chat GPT and say, summarize this in five sentences or less. And it'll, it'll dig through and tell you the valuable information that, that I need and, and save me the time of having to read and review all of it. I had no um, idea that it was that, that present in our lives. How many other attorneys are doing things like that? Do you think? I, I think, those that aren't using it already are are behind. Um, what is the exact forum that you feed your info into? So chat, it's chat GPT, open AI. Um, hmm. it's, the, it's the big one. I'm, I'm on the waiting list for chat GPT4, which apparently has a better, um, a better research platform and has some access to some real-time information. Look, it's, it's a game changer. You can go in there right now and ask it to draft documents, templates, and forms for you. Now, Scott, Scott and I did this. We tested it out, um, and they're not up to snuff yet. They haven't replaced us yet. But at the rate it's growing within five to ten years, I think you'll be able to go on ChatGPT and hire it to do some light legal work for you. So the, my first story of the day, or one of the top ones, was about the comment that 80% of America's jobs will be in the hands of AI in the next decade. And I, that one never crossed my mind. To not have a human being like you uh, with an education in law making decisions for me uh, in what could be a serious case, it's being fed into a machine to spit out what the answers are. And then go to, so how do you take it to court? To argue for you. Uh, you, you, I don't know that you can. There's been some test uh, studies on that. What, uh, what there actually was, though, there was a judge, and not in this country. I think it was in Colombia, and he fed in the fact pattern of this trial, and allowed it to spit out a conclusion, and he used a lot of its arguments in his ruling from the bench. Wow. Jeez. So judges are accepting of the fact that this is not from the mind of an attorney. It's from the mind of a machine. Well, I don't think any any attorney worth their worth their salt is going to admit, hey, I, I, I let ChatGPT write this for me. And I don't think it's at a point yet where, where attorneys really can do that. Um, what it is is, you know, kind of what I'm explaining. It, it creates a quick template that does most Expedites of the, the heavy your listing job yeah yeah and and allows me to focus just on on 
what is true to my case because every case is a little different so you would have to feed in every variant into chat gpt and that would be longer than having to write the letter but you can so give it a broad of, so, overview so you have fed things into this is um are the cases um are they similar cases like what you do with let's say family Here, law me, in general let me give you a, let me give you a case or an example recently i used it I had a client who wanted to, um, he wanted me to make an argument to the court that uh, I, I was not comfortable making. And I told ChatGPT, write, write a letter to a valued client um, explaining to him that I strongly disagree on the stance he's taking. And if he chooses to take this, I'll unfortunately can't represent him any further. And that's all. Why I would you do that and not do it yourself? I want because this. Good. Yeah, I know. But at this point, I I did. I wanted at this point, I was playing around with Chat GPT to see what it could do, and in in under thirty seconds, it gave me a heartfelt two page letter that I was able to go in and add a couple of things to, and it it, it was a perfect letter. And wow. it took that thing 30 Two seconds pages. where it would have taken me, I, I don't know, that probably would have taken me a half hour to do that. So uh, how long before you're obsolete and you're a farmer? Uh, five to 10 years. <laughs> um, I, I, got, I got my guitar out of the closet the other night and started working on my calluses. I'm going to have to go down on Bill Street and make money for All nickels. Right. So uh, as many different variations of the law as there are, and as many different people uh, in this country, I don't know how many lawyers there are, um, and all kinds of law, from you know criminal law to what you do to this you know vast landscape of what is legal and how you argue it and who wins. How long before this uh, permeates the legal world to the point where no kidding, where people like you can maybe just you know show up and do it? Or somebody can go to a chat GPT legal site like legal zoom is there now and get it done that way and and pay them and you're done yeah uh, the where I'm not convinced AI is there yet is putting together pieces of the puzzle uh, because a lot of a lot of the cases that I do or that that come up are really complex and sometimes you really have to lead a jury or a judge through this is important because ABCD, which led to EFG. And you don't think that AK has anything to do with this, but I'm going to show you how this integrates. I don't know that chat GPT you mean AI, is, not AK. AI AK is a gun. Yeah, sure. Is, is <laughs> at that point yet where it can, it can piece that together. And, um, I could be it's wrong. It's happening pretty fast. Jesus. Wow. But wow. I, I'm, I think five to ten years, you will, you will see a law firm of some type that relies solely on, on an AI machine. Uh, but when people are involved in a divorce case or in child custody or in wills and estates and things like that, don't they want a human being with some compassion and knowledge of the law to direct them, not and that's, a robot? And that's, that's where I think it'll never it'll never replace us. I mean, we've we've seen the sci. There's some science fiction movie where some guy's trying to explain why he was late, and this computer that was his parole officer is just won't listen to him, and it's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I don't think you'll ever get to a point of that where AI is is truly in control like that for exactly why you're talking, and it's that. I need to look my client in the eye and say, all right, this person's hurting. I need to take a little bit of extra time and use some kid gloves with them. Or this guy's really mad. I need to give him a couple of days to cool off. A machine's not going to pick up on those cues. And that's, that's a big part of my job. Very, yeah, I, I find this unsettling. I um, um, in a murder case, where there are questions and you see these things happen all the time where somebody has been kicked loose from the joint after about 37 years because they were found to be not guilty after years of, you know, DNA testing and other kinds of 
uh, you know, forensics. How do you um, involve the human component in a murder case where there is there are questions and there's no, uh, it's not a a a a, a definitive case. Um, do you rely on this lack of compassion and the fact finding issues on both? This sounds to me like it maybe isn't an imminent thing, but down the road, it uh, as fast as it's growing. I think it's a bit concerning, but uh, I guess maybe we should not break the law and don't need lawyers. I don't know, it, but it's uh, and on that note, we mentioned uh, before off the air. You were talking about how you rate yourself um, uh, as far as wins and losses in your profession uh, as an attorney that does family law and does a number of things uh, that surround that. How do you categorize uh, how many times you've won or lost? Is there a little chalkboard behind your desk that says, I win, they lose? Or how do you I, navigate yeah. that? Yeah, I don't have notches the, that I've put on the wall. That's that would be a cool idea. But yeah, it is. Um, it, when you're doing something like I do, and my my focus is is primarily on family law, um, I, I judge a win and a loss by if I put on if I put on a good case, if I put the defendants on, um, if I got the testimony. How, how I judge a, a win and a loss is really kind of boring. Uh, it's just if I if I do everything I'm supposed to. That's what I do. How my clients, though, is what I find interesting. Um, clients are so short-sighted generally, and and if you're a parent and you've been going through a divorce, this this is for you for a second. Um, a divorce attorney is not going to give you a win or a loss. That is not what we do. What our job is, what we consider a win, is if we get you enough time to where you can have a valid effect on your kid's life. If you can be a part of their life, and after they're 18, when there's no court order, if they decide to come and spend Thanksgiving or Christmas or call you after graduation, if they include you in your life, then you won. You're not going to know who wins True. in the divorce court. You're going to know when that kid's about 25, if they decide to come to your house, then you won. Hmm. That, that's how I judge a win and a loss. Now, By the success of the uh, of uh, how the end result affects the child, our yeah. children. By by me in divorces where there's where there's no kids, I judge a win and a loss by how much money did I get my client. Uh, that's that's an easy one, but when you've got kids involved, it just changes everything. Sure, it does. and I've yeah, I've been course. I've been doing this long enough now, where I've got kids of former clients that have come back and actually called and said, thanks. Thank you for, thank you for getting, you know, this much Aww. time for my dad. And, and that, that to me is a huge win. Um, but it didn't occur until 10 years after the case was done. So, uh, do you charge them time on the phone if they call you as you should? <laughs> thank you. No, I probably <laughs> should, but I no. when, when they're calling with news like that, I kind of, that's good for my ego. So I kind of like I've to been, hear that kind of stuff. I've got a, a an off-the-beaten-path kind of a question here. Did somebody build a, a train track in my backyard the past hour, or is that from your office on Poplar? That's that's from the office here on okay, Poplar. Okay, I just wanted to check because I'm really wow, getting yeah. a bit nervous. It's right there. I've got you a train would not, track in the backyard. Jesus. You would not what? believe the amount of coal. It must be powering some TVA station nearby. But I always see a line of coal cars twice a week that you would not believe rolling down these train tracks. Hmm. I don't know where it's going because it's not, well, it's, um, that business has seen a lot better days, I think, probably thankfully. I was checking to see how much tequila is in the bottle down here, uh, sorry, uh, from the weekend. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. Nice. Uh, I, I thought of you today or, or yesterday when I went down to the Gold Strike Casino. And I wanted to mention that there is no lonelier place on the face of the earth than a casino, any place in America, except maybe Las Vegas, than, you know, noon on a Wednesday afternoon. And boy, it is rough. It is much better when you cash a winning ticket for almost $1,000 that you won betting horses. And I, um, 
you told me That's last week that you wanted to that you wanted to know how much I bet and what I won. And after I sat down, you were the first person that I texted. So you you did. You followed orders. I was proud of you when I saw that. And I was. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank I'm I, I'm happy you did it. I wish you would have made another mistake and gotten two tickets uh, with the same thing. Uh, yeah. cool. I don't I don't know why why I did that. Uh, I have my rough scratching of the notes and then I transferred them to the official paper and then made the uh, made the wagers and it worked out pretty well um, let's uh, move along I, I do want to get I want to spend the next weeks uh, looking back at some of the podcasts that you and your brother do because you're covering things um, uh, in depth and at length that you can probably summarize uh, in this segment on uh, Thursdays that are helpful to people and we will get to those if we have time today we'll we'll pop into the uh, fourth amendment i want to hear about that as everyone should it involves how to converse with and act if you're stopped by the police especially in a day and time when uh tensions are let's say pretty high um and you know being a state trooper or a cop locally must you know raise your blood pressure when you pull somebody over uh you don't know what you're going to walk up to yeah. um, but we'll get to that uh i mentioned this to you too off the air this we have class action lawsuits now pretty much every week i didn't realize how uh, prominent of a thing uh, these issues are Thirty-eight thousand people in mississippi will receive cash due to a Settlement with TurboTax, $141 million in this multi-state uh, affair. But the ones that live down here in the Magnolia State, 38,000 people. Now, if I remember correctly, back in the day, a long time ago, before I made any money, I used TurboTax, and I think it was supposed to be a free thing because the IRS.gov site is free. And so TurboTax, to compete with them, advertised the same thing. Now, you've given that some thought. You wonder, why would they do it for free? And I think back to the end of uh, the process, and they got you for a few bucks on something. But this goes back to 2016, 17, and 18. Uh, to people that, were, that could have filed for free, through the IRS free file program. Um, and these consumers, however, used TurboTax and they paid to file their, uh, their uh, returns through TurboTax and they shouldn't have been charged, but they were. And there were 38,000 of them who joined this suit. They're gonna get about 30 bucks a piece. Um, all 50 states were in this lawsuit. So I, it doesn't mention uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, anybody around here, only Mississippi. Are you aware of this class action so, suit? So I am not. Um, I am not. But, you know, if they, were, if they were charging and there was some false and they've done a settlement, then they're about to open it up to everybody. Um, so if, if you did it All for, 50 states. Hello. That's a lot. That's, that's going to be a little bit of money. But if you go back to it. What'd you spend? Thirty six dollars. So at the like end that, of the probably. at the yeah. at the end of the day, you're going to get a check for a couple of cents, and and the attorney the, that came up with the genius idea to file it yeah. is going to get is going to get the lion's share. I mean, they're they're going to get a they're going to cover their legal fees, which include the their marketing expenses. The part that I expenses. think is confusing, though, is if you ran this thing through TurboTax and you got done, and it says you owe the government this kind of money and you owe the state this kind of money because down here you pay state taxes um it seems like that that is a tenant of uh this lawsuit is that if you did it through turbo tax you shouldn't have been i don't quite understand the the grounds of the suit um turbo tax i guess they say it's free but what's the point if the irs is free and they aren't lying because they're the government and they never lie. But um, it's a strange lawsuit. I can't quite figure out 
where the fault um, should be placed. Is it on TurboTax for misrepresenting what they do? I guess I w- that is the case. I would assume. I would assume if that's what it is. If it was supposed to be free and there was a hidden charge, um, and they compared themselves to the free IRS website, then that's you know that's a no no. Okay. Um, well, that one uh, that one's fun. Let's look at this for a second. We tend to get into stories locally sometimes and have no answer, and we talk in circles. However, uh, this one. Uh, is so ever-present and is a problem, and no one seems to know what the answer is. Uh, Steve Mulroy has been the new DA since last November, and uh, Jim Strickland, who's the mayor, uh, he's a lame-duck mayor, he's done in November. So what he says now, he doesn't really have much to uh, look back on, and he's just, he's just, just, just angry at this, as he should be. He discussed the court system's revolving door, which we all know is prevalent, and these, I won't say kids, but these people that uh, commit crimes go down to 201 Poplar, and, uh, you know, Jim says that the number one job in this city right now for him and and the cops is fighting crime, but the court system is messing up the works. He referenced a shooting outside Alfred's on Beale Street, not this past weekend, but the previous weekend, that included a street vendor and some dude on the scene who shot two people. He uh, went to 201 Poplar. His bond was 150 grand, which means he had to come up with, with $15,000. It's uh, 10%. So he was released three days after this incident occurred back on the streets to continue whatever it is that he does. Um, He shot the victim. There was some pushing and pulling. And either way, the gun went off twice and shot two people. And then so this guy is put in jail until 15 grand can be scraped up among his his, uh, brethren. And he's back on the street. And so the mayor uh, says that, you know, this, is, this has got to stop. And this new system, whatever the new system is, maybe you know, I thought I did, but I don't. It has to stop. These bails are often too low, says the mayor, and they release dangerous criminals and put everybody at risk. Uh, Steve Mulroy, the DA, posted an op-ed on his website saying only about 23% of Shelby County defendants, only the operative word, are arrested for another crime while out on bail. That means that one in four are locked up again for another crime. Yeah. Rearrests for violent crimes while out on bail occur less than four. I don't know where he's pulling these uh, stats from or how it's even possible to uh, defend this insanity. And more four seems a little high. I don't know that I would use only yeah, as the precursor I, yeah, to that. I wouldn't say only either. Uh, but Mulroy's last comment was uh, that focusing uh, primarily on bail is a distraction that won't solve our crime problem. I find that comment to be um, dismissive and arrogant. Thoughts? I, 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 would, con- I, I would concur. Um, primarily look, on bail it's a distraction no it's not it shows you how messed up this whole thing is make it a half million bucks and shut this crap down something's got to give I, it, people are just living in fear and it doesn't it just it just gets worse yeah I mean what do you, I mean you hear, hear, there's again no answer is it in the power of the DA to change things like how much bond is laid on any kind of any any crime like this? Well, so Who they, calls they, that shot? That's that's the big thing is that they've got this court, uh, these magistrates who are now who are now hearing these. Yeah, we covered that. Yeah, right. Um, but what here's what bail is. Bail is just designed to make sure that you return for trial. Um, if you can show. 
If you can show, now y'all are making me, he'd go back to my criminal law days, but here's what I remember. If, if you can show that you're not a flight risk, that you have ties to the community, um, and that you're not a danger to the public, uh, then, then they generally, you know, it's a lower, it's a lower bond amount. So you argue those factors to the court, and based upon what they think, um, th that's your bond rate. Now, it doesn't work that way under Mulroy's system. Uh, there's some like sheet that they fill out, and it's based somewhat on their income and their priors, and there's some formula, and it spits out what the bond amount should be. Um, but no, that doesn't sound very. That doesn't sound. That just sounds wrong. And and is the figure well, what, to be pointed at the magistrates who are doing this? Why? No, uh, look, it's there's something it's system, missing here. It, it's systematic. If if you want, I mean, if you want me to to trace it back, I would tell you it starts with. It starts with, too many people in jail. And from there, it's because bond rates are, are, are too high, or they were too high in the past. Uh, and that's because we've got too much crime in Memphis. And we've got too much crime because we don't have good, you know, a good police agency that's really on top of it. We don't that's have the good government suspects that's in laws. Yeah. And you go all the way back and you, you get to this statistic, and it's, it's unfortunate. I know it. Uh, it's you know there's 18.4 million children in school or in 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 the United States under the age of 18. 18.4 million. One in four of those kids grew up in homes without one parent. One in four grew up in a household without one parent. And it 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 man, it, I hate to sound like a Baptist preacher, but it gets back to that. Um, it always gets back to that, you know, preacher or not. That is always the point we return to, but it doesn't solve the existing problem. Um, if the jails are so crowded, then how did those, you know, poor guys or girls, they didn't get uh, cut loose because they paid the bond. They're just stuck in jail. Well, that's, but somebody like that. this clown got, some, got the money together and he's out back to do it again. Well, if you recall, under Wyrick, one of the big complaints were the jails were too full, and yeah. and yeah. part of what part of They're what Mulroy ran, but part of what Mulroy ran under is I'll fix that problem. We've right. got too many people with crate, and the the thought process behind it's right. The thought process is all right. Uh, marijuana is going to become legal in the United States within the next ten years, probably at the federal level. It's legal around here. Why are we putting these kids in jail and giving them high bonds when we catch them with this stuff? Uh -huh. So we're getting we're getting overfed with that. So let's let's make our bond rules a little lenient. That that was kind of the intent. What we've seen in application is that it it, it hadn't weighed out that way. It's just not how it's working. No, it's not. And I suppose that these questions and these stories return us to the same discussion all the time and there just is no answer and um no one is saying much from city hall you haven't heard much from the uh, police chief you haven't seen any kind of activity uh thank goodness there was nothing bad that happened down at the bill street music fest uh they had enough cops down there to police uh, god knows what but uh they were being very uh very present and making sure that, that nothing went ugly down there but it there's still it never changes, and it is, um, it's an unfortunate spot to be in. But you can't change the world. Um, so I guess uh, we'll just sit back and see if Mulroy can do something. And as we've said before, all this stuff moves very, very slowly. So what are you going to do? Did you have a, a question there for Bill? 8789420 is where you can send those, Sid. Sure do. This person says, I had a question regarding child care tax credits. Can a person who is in a disability case to which they haven't received or won their claim yet claim their child on their taxes? Well, I don't understand why you wouldn't claim your child on your taxes anyway. Not um, really. If, if you're the parent of the child and you're filing taxes, whether or not you've got a disability claim, you, you get the tax credit on your 
on your child. So maybe there's got to be something to that question that I'm not understanding. Read um, it again. All right. It says, can a person who, who is in a disability case to which they haven't received slash one, it says, their claim yet, claim their child on their taxes? Yeah, I, that's a weird I, question. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to claim um, claim a child on your taxes. But it says this on my website. I avoided the building that they taught tax law at. I just didn't even want to go near it. <laughs> no. I would walk around it to go to my other law classes. Yeah, um, so I yeah. would I would contact the, a CPA. But um, but I. I think you can always file your kids, but consult a CPA or a tax attorney. All right, then. Uh, anything else that we have not covered? There are other stories here, and I uh, I want to save this for next time. Uh, but I think that it is uh, uh, a wise thing to go back and spend a um, a look at the podcasting that you had and uh, Scott have done, and to uh, consolidate what takes an hour in about 15 minutes and explain some of these amendments because the average person doesn't know what these things say and I think it would be helpful to understand how the laws work, how they were written and how they are applied today uh, until yeah. they're all changed by some AI thinger which look, is going to be coming up pretty soon. I've made, I made, so my son William is 15 uh, he's got his learner's permit, and he's he's oh, driving me around. And all of his little, you know, all of his little dorky friends, they're they got their permits, and they're driving around. And I told him and his friends' mamas and dads play play this podcast on the Fourth Amendment because we cover in detail, explicitly, what to do when you're pulled over by the police. If we will do this next week. I want yeah. to do this next week. And let the entire audience hear it. But these kids and their dorky friends and their their dorky parents ought to all listen to this. Yeah. Um, there's just that's not being that's being serious because some of these kids just don't get it. And when the police you know walks up to your car and you're 15, uh, that's when you you know pee your pants for real. Yeah. yeah. If 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 that's that may be be, be the least of it. Um, so. All right, my friend, uh, we thank you. We will carry this on later um, and uh, review some of these amendments that people just don't seem to understand, and they need to because um, you don't want to end up at two one Poplar trying to get bail, which apparently is pretty easy. So if we can circumvent that, we will. Uh, Bill Jones, how do we contact you at, the, at, at Clark Tower in your fine, shiny new offices? You can ride the train over here, or you can dial wow. 761-5353, or find us online at LawyerBill.com. All right, my friend. We thank you, uh, Bill. We'll see you next time. All right, uh, that's Lawyer Bill for this week. He's here on Thursdays, and you can email questions for him anytime, and we'll keep them, 878-9420. We're going to be recapping some of the podcasting information that he shares about the amendments and the laws and how things work, because they're really interesting. And they air on the weekends. What time uh, are the Jones boys on on the weekend, Said on their podcast? They're on, they're on Saturdays and Sundays at 11. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know if he would do this, but if you have a question, I mean, don't wait to text your question for Thursday podcast with Bill, 878-9420, because, you know, he could address somebody's big question in his podcast, and then we could even expand on that in this yeah. Thursday podcast. So Good there you idea. go. But yeah, his, his the Lawyer Bill podcast with Bill and Scott Jones, Saturdays and Sundays, 11 a.m. And this week, when Wes does his, I believe he'll be doing the Guardians of the Galaxy in depth. What are you doing this weekend? Yes, indeed. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the subject of my Geeks Grading Geekdom podcast, which shows up first uh, on Friday at 5, I don't know, Friday at 6, and then it replays Saturday and Sunday at 10. Okay. And then we're going to do uh, my podcast uh, now after this little Thursday morning broadcast. And if you haven't caught it yet, it's songs about flowers. And there are flowers everywhere blooming. And I have a ton to plant. And I may go do that now. Or I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But uh, it's about flowers and songs about them. And you can hear it uh, in just a moment. Remember the uh, support Drake Digital concept 
is in play. It takes time for the word to spread, but we are uh, we are seeking support to keep this instrument of music uh, in its unique uh, format with thousands of songs on the internet and uh, and the podcasting and the shows. All of it there. You can go to the Facebook page, click that link, or go to drakehallmemphis.com. Do it there or on the app. Uh, and a lot of folks have done that from various states. And we thank you and we encourage you to do that so we can remain doing this. All right? We got no budget, man. That was one of Rick D's um, funniest bits ever, in which he began in Memphis and he took it out to L.A., and he would always talk about that they had no budget. Now, that was a lie because he was number one in the L.A. market. So he had a lot of budget. So, uh, But we don't. And that's true. So if you'd like to support Drake Digital, uh, thank you. We appreciate it. Now enjoy songs about various kinds of flowers. This is Drake Digital. <laughs> 